Good morning, church. It's our privilege to be with you again on this sunny Sunday morning. Well, I'm believing for that anyway. You get to listen to me and my awesome wife, Sarah, again this week. We got such great feedback that we felt like there was legs in working together again. So I hope you enjoy the things we've got to share with you today. We're going to continue with this theme of relationships we started last week. And today's title is, Are You the One? Are You the One? And just before we get get going with that, we watched the film um, Fighting With My Family this week. Uh, Some of you may be familiar with that. It's the true life story of the WWE wrestler Paige, who's from Norwich, England, and um, she goes across and succeeds, and um, it's really quite moving because she becomes the really successful, and her family are cheering on from home, and when she lifts the belt, they're all emotional at home, and I really got that sense, and I said to Josh, who's cutting onions? <laughs> and I really got that sense of that's how we want to be, is, uh, Sarah and I just sort of leading you guys, we're cheering you on. And everything we share with you is underpinned with, we want you to win. And when you win, we want to celebrate with you. We want to get emotional with you. It's just so good to see people winning. And our stance is we want to keep pointing you to Jesus. We want to keep pointing you to godly principles for life because the author of life has principles for life which will help you win. And so it's our goal to point you there. So with this whole idea of are you the one, and can I add an extra little twist in there, for those of you who are in long-term relationships, long-term marriages, the slight spin on it is, are you still the one? Controversial. Um, the whole idea really is uh, with someone who might be looking for a, a long-term relationship, a marriage partner. We, we use this, this, this language, don't we? The one, the one. I'm not sure if the one really exists. So I actually think there's lots of ones out there. The, the better question is, what are you looking for? And why? And a great question to ask yourself on the journey is, are you becoming the one that someone else is looking for? Because then you are positioning yourself to meet someone and be the the dream they're after. So it's something you can be doing on the way. So if you're in a marriage right now, could you be asking yourself the question, am I being the one my spouse always hoped for? And so we're going to just discuss some stuff, to throw some principles out there. And the goal is to get you thinking, to get you talking, to get you considering what part am I playing in this and what am I really looking for. And we hope it will help you and inspire you to have a more God-centered relationship and become a more rounded person so that you win. Let's underpin this with a couple of Bible verses. I want to start here in Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 4, and it says this, A wife of noble character is her husband's crown, but a disgraceful wife is like decay in his bones. Another verse for you. I'm going to throw two at you straight away. Amos chapter 3 and verse 3. Can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? So when we look at relationships biblically, character, the wife of noble character. The Bible homes in on character right there. The idea of character and the direction you are going together is absolutely central and key when you're talking about relationships and absolutely central and key when you're considering the potential of a marriage relationship. Character and direction. 
I believe, and I think you'll agree with me, that we're living in, in a world that is putting huge emphasis on physicality. You know, Sarah will unpack some of this stuff later, but, but we live in a, in a society which is absolutely, 90% is about what do they look like. And, and that's the environment we're, we're in. But I can promise you this, you talk to someone who's been married for 10 years plus, and they will tell you in actual fact for longevity, physicality is quite a long way down the list. But we start here and hoping that's going to get us somewhere, and that's just not the truth. But as a caveat, and like last week, I hope we can talk real life. The Bible has much to say about physicality too. Can I read you this verse? Proverbs 5, verses 18 and 19. May your fountain be blessed, and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth, a loving doe and graceful deer. May her breasts satisfy you always. May you ever be intoxicated by her love. I wanted to bring that out there. Me and Sarah had one of our intense discussions about bringing out that, but I said, no, come on, we've got to bring a rounded picture because what we don't want is for people to think the Bible has nothing to say about the physicality of relationship. God made us sexual beings. God made us to look like this and it's good and should be celebrated. It's when it gets out of context and out of balance, it becomes difficult. So the Bible says, you know, be intoxicated by her physicality. Celebrate it. The wife of your youth is talking about looking back over the years and how you've celebrated that. It is there. In actual fact, if you took time to read the Bible, it would absolutely carry an 18 certificate. No question. Physicality is important. Fancying each other is important. We're not negating that. But it shouldn't be the major. It shouldn't be the only thing. And I believe we're living in a world that is majoring on that. Character and direction should be carrying a higher value. Do you want to just chip in? Yeah, definitely. The whole, just our whole um, social media, the, just the whole way that everybody lives nowadays is all about online dating. Yeah, yeah. It's all about the attraction. I'm, I totally get online dating. I, I know lots and lots of people who have met through online dating. The issue is, is that the only thing you have to go by is a picture and a bio wow. in terms of this is who I am. And the truth is you'll never actually know who that person is until you've met them. Um, because how true is it? How many filters are on that picture? And, the, and, you know, what have they said about themselves in terms of their, you know, their bio could be completely not yeah, true. Yeah. So the whole idea of swiping left and swiping right based on someone's photograph, I think, is a clear picture of how society and people in our world that we live in today is almost upside down in terms of what the Bible says. So good, about. yeah. Absolutely, 100% attraction is really important. Says, I sitting here with what I think is the best looking guy in the world. Love you, baby. <laughs> and obviously, there was clear attraction when we first obviously. met. Obviously. There was clear attraction when we first met. And we won't go into how we first met or when we first met. It's a story for another time. Um, but we, um, we definitely had initial attraction. But let's be honest, date number three, date number four, and date number five, 
you're definitely getting to know the person better. Yeah. Yeah. You're looking deeper than what's just on the outside. And you begin to know personality. You begin to find out interest. You start looking slightly deeper at who the person is. And yeah. let's be honest about character. You don't actually know someone until you've seen them under pressure yeah. within friends and family. You don't really get to see the kind of real inside of somebody until you're around that. So attraction, yes, absolutely. But we're looking for something deeper, something yeah. much yeah. more, um, much more of a connection um, than just attraction, than yeah. just attraction. You know, if you're somebody that says, or you've heard yourself say, oh, do you know what? I just attract the wrong sort of guy. Wow. Or, I just attract wow. the wrong sort of girl. Let me just put it out there. If a fisherman goes out to fish and he doesn't get the right kind of fish in his, um, in his net, he needs to change his bait. Wow. So you need to ask yourself the question, if you are someone telling us that you're attracting the, right sort, the wrong sort of guy or girl, you need to change Woo, your bait. Preach. <laughs> you need to change what it is that you're putting out there. Just remember that if you are focusing on becoming the one, if you are focused yeah. on Jesus, yeah. on putting Jesus first, like will attract to like. Yeah. And so if you're focused on putting God first, whether you're in a marriage or a relationship right now, you can still do this now, or whether you're looking for a relationship, put God first. It says in Matthew to seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be given and added to you. And so if you, if you focus on that, then you will be able to get the relationship, the right relationship, and you won't keep saying, I just keep attracting the yeah. wrong person. Yeah. Yeah. Reputation versus character. What people think or say about themselves is completely different to what you actually get to see. Don't go dating someone or go for someone just based on their reputation. You don't get to know someone until yeah. you see them yeah. um, in a yeah. situation. Yeah. So. Yeah. so, so good, so good. So there's four things that we want to throw out to you or present to you to get you thinking about some of the things you might want to consider in terms of pursuing a relationship. And again, to add into how you're behaving in an existing relationship. And these are the four things. <clears throat> Godly character growing trust, higher standards, and consistent encouragement. They're the four things we're going to just unpack for you a little bit now. And it's not, you know, all-encompassing. You can consider, you can think, you can add into it. We're just bringing some thought processes to you to help you. So let me start to unpack godly character. Here's some basic practical things. When you're considering a relationship with someone, can you ask yourself... How is that person around their friends? How is that person around their parents? How is that person around their colleagues? What's the average behavior and language? Everyone can have a brilliant day, and everyone can have a horrendous day. We shouldn't be considering people at those points. What's the average? And here's why it's important. Because how they treat others on average is most likely how they're going to treat you on average. And it's so easy at the beginning of a relationship for a guy or a girl to be on their best behavior, to present the best part of themselves for a considerable time. But over the years, they will start to behave according to their average. You can see that based on how they're treating other people. 
do you, how do they celebrate the highs and how do they handle the lows? Again, this is about character. Do they go over the top celebrating the good things as if, oh, the world's changed? And do they completely fall apart if something terrible happens? Oh, no, I might as well die. Because what we're really looking for is, yes, celebrate the highs. And yes, be real about the lows. But can we have a well-balanced and well-rounded character that is easy to do life with? These are things we need to be considering if we're going to commit to spend a life with someone. Galatians 5 um, unpacks for us a little what we call the fruits of the Spirit. And, and what these really are is, is character traits. You know, we're not talking about personality here. You know, someone could be the biggest laugh, the loudest character, the noisiest person. Someone else could be someone who's quiet and generally hangs back a little bit. Someone could be really thoughtful. Someone could be a great comedian. These are kind of personality traits. They're very different to the deep behaviors tested over time, which we are calling character. When we talk about the, the fruits of the Spirit, we're talking about things like patience. We're talking about things like goodness and kindness and faithfulness. We're talking about self-control. These are character traits which you can see and sense in someone as you get to know them over a period of time. Here's the thing. You could find a, per, a person who's an absolute 10 in the physical absolute knockout girl or guy that wow look at them they are incredible and those people exist but what about if that perfect 10 is unkind is not faithful is unfaithful what about if that person lacks generosity what about if that person just doesn't carry goodness can you see how that would unpack itself they're a perfect 10 in the physical but actually, imagine doing life with someone who's unkind. Imagine doing life with someone who just completely lacks generosity. Can you see what would you then value higher? How they look or what their character traits are? Can you see how it's important? And I just concern myself, you know, as someone who's raising children, who's someone who's leading a church. Are we living in a world that is conditioning conditioning us to prioritize the wrong thing? And then we're watching people walk out a life of hurt and pain. Whereas actually, if we, the church, could start pointing people back to godly principles, the principles of life that he says, live like this and you'll succeed, that actually we will help people to win and then we can celebrate. So what are you looking for and what are you developing in yourself? There's, just, there's your godly character. Now, I'm just gonna, Sarah's going to unpack growing trust, but I'm just going to kick her off a little bit. And I want to do it through these couple of verses here that we're going to find in Song of Songs. Uh, and, it's, and it's chapter 1, and it's verses 6 and verses 9. Just verses 6 and 9. So Song of Songs 1, verse 6 says this. Do not stare at me because I am dark, because I am darkened by the sun. My mother's sons were angry with me and made me take care of the vineyards. My own vineyard I had to neglect. And verse 9 says this. I liken you, my darling, to a mare among Pharaoh's chariot horses. Now, kind of a bit strange, but I just want to unpack that for you a little bit. Song of Songs is, is a poem written by Solomon, and it's about the developing relationship between a man and a woman. It's very raw. It's very raunchy. It's very rich. It's a brilliant poem. It can be interpreted and looked through the lens of it's God uh, chasing after his church and God chasing after people. But he wrote this as a man and a woman. 
And so here we have this, this woman who's embarrassed by her appearance. You know, her skin is darkened because she's had to do hard labor in the sun. But what about his response? What does he say? Now, the reality of what he says is he likens her to a female horse. Now, I, I don't know. If I call my wife that, I'm not sure that's going down quite well. No. no. <laughs> but understand what he says. Let me unpack for you why he says that. This is what he actually says. I liken you, my darling, to a mare among Pharaoh's chariot horses. What we don't understand in our context is what a, chariot, a, a mare in the, in the chariot's horses, the, the Pharaoh's horses looks like. It would be a large, white, female horse. And in that culture, Pharaoh's horses were deemed almost godlike. They were really esteemed. It's like, oh, that's Pharaoh's horses. They were, they were of stature. So here she says, coming to him, oh, I feel all dark and unattractive. But what does he do? He says, that's not what I see. I see you like this white chariot horse, almost godlike, put on a pedestal. He's so, so kind to her. And, you know, she's saying she feels dark. And the reason in that culture particularly is that that was a, a negative in their culture is that it was because it was associated with hard work. People got tanned out in the hard work. And obviously, if you didn't have to go out work, it gave you a higher sense of esteem. You didn't have to work for a living and your skin would be paler. That's the context. Not necessarily our truth today, but that's the context of why they're having this conversation. Do you want to take over, Sis? Yeah, growing, growing trust is so important it's so important it's not just when you're meeting somebody it's in a marriage in a long-term relationship yeah. as well yeah. and you know when you begin when you begin a relationship with somebody you are looking for them to for you both to be able to grow in trusting each other so you start off often with the physical stuff you know you start telling each other the things that you don't like about your outward appearance I would probably recommend you don't do that on the first date. Yeah. Like, <laughs> pull out your webbed feet or whatever. It's not a good thing. I still hide mine. <laughs> Thanks. Um, so, yeah, you, you start on, on kind of raveling, you, you know, your insecurities. That's what you do. You start telling each other the things you don't really like about, about yourself, a bit like the story that Barry just shared in the Bible. You know, she said, don't look at me. Don't look at me. I'm dark. And that's what we do. We begin to reveal our insecurities, starting with the physical. And then when we realize that actually we can trust each other um, with sharing our insecurities, we then move on to the emotional. Wow, so the things good. that have hurt us, the things that are deep within our emotion. And what we do in, our, in a relationship in growing trust is every time a little bit more is revealed and you respond in the right way, your trust grows, your trust grows. Yeah. And so you need to be um, within a secure relationship, a marriage or getting to know somebody where actually you can trust them with your innermost secrets, your innermost fears and thoughts about yourself and you're watching to wow. see how the other person responds. Yeah. And it's such an important thing. And, and right now, if you're sitting here thinking, I actually feel worse about myself in this relationship or in this marriage or with this person that I'm dating, um, you feel worse. That for me would be a massive red flag. That would be a massive red flag because 
you're meant to grow in trust. Yeah. You're meant to grow in that whole idea of I feel like I can be vulnerable with you. Yeah. You know, to be able to be vulnerable to each other is actually the most perfect place to be because you've grown in so much yeah, trust. So good. Um, with that as well and just as an aside if you are already in a marriage um, or in a long-term relationship and you actually feel like that trust was broken or that you don't feel like you're able to share your innermost emotions or feelings because they haven't responded in the right way beforehand I just want to encourage you to take a moment yeah. to sit down together and to talk about it because God can repair yeah. And if Come you're on. willing to go on that journey, God can repair yeah. moments where you've said things in anger or things have been said and it's really hurt or cut deep. But I just want to encourage you, take a moment to, just to ask God to come in and he will repair yeah. Yeah. and redeem. Yeah. Um, and so, redeem. so yeah. Um, and then our third point <clears throat> is higher standards. So higher standards. Listen, God has a higher standard for you. He has a higher standard than what the world has to offer you yeah. in relationships. Yeah. His standard is so flipping brilliant, I can't even explain it in words. What you think is perfect in terms of a relationship for you or a husband or a wife, God's standard is way higher, yeah. way higher. So if you want something different to what the world has to offer then you need to do something different. Yeah. And so I just want to talk just very briefly um, about the whole idea about purity and about sex before marriage. So if you are single right now, God has ordained sex for marriage. Yeah. In fact, he calls it the gift of lovemaking. The gift of lovemaking is for marriage. And if you choose to honor God with that decision uh, while you're waiting, you know, the, the, the whole idea is not no, yeah. it's just not now. Yeah. And it's not never, it's just I'm waiting. So the whole idea of honoring God with that um, is all about um, putting God first, honoring God, and you're on this journey of becoming the one becoming the one. So the gift of lovemaking is a high standard that you should um, go towards. Yeah. If you're on that journey of singleness right now um, and you've made that decision, I want to tell you that you honor God now and he will honor Come God on. when you're married. Yeah. And just for those of you that are married, if this is an area of your married life that you feel like you are struggling with, again, I just want to ask you to ask God into it. You know, like God said, he's given it as a gift, the gift of lovemaking. Um, and so if it's something that's missing out of your marriage, um, I want to encourage you to not just talk about it, so important, and ask God into it. But also, I think we are planning to do um, almost like a bit of an MOT yeah. course yeah. for your marriage, where we will go into a lot more detail around how, can, how God can... Um, bring back to life your sex life. Yeah. I almost liken it to a Ferrari on the drive that Barry had brought me, but then told me that I couldn't drive it. So really important that there's a gift there ready for you to use. God wants you to have an awesome, amazing sex life. Yeah. He has this higher standard, um, and you just need to press into him uh, to be brave enough to talk about it. 
um, so that you can bring him back into that part of the relationship. It's a higher standard. It is a calling, um, but trust me, um, it's, it's absolutely incredible when you honor God with that decision in your life. Yeah, yeah. And, and um, either next week or the week after, I'm going to take on this whole idea of, of the physical side of relationships because I think so often, especially for unchurched people, it's the question, why? You know, most people know that Christians believe in sex is for marriage and not sex before marriage, and they will laugh at that and go, you're missing out. But when you understand why, it's like, oh, okay, I get that. I, just, I call it big sex, little sex. Now, the world is having loads and loads and loads of little sex, multiple partners. But I believe that there is big sex to be had, which is the most outrageous version of a physical relationship because God's in the middle of it and you develop together. And when you hear that, it's like, oh, God, that's what I really want. And actually, you're not missing out at all. But let me unpack that another time. Our fourth point is, is this consistent encouragement. And uh, have you ever been around someone who just makes you feel like you can take on the world? You know, how awesome is it when encouragement just lifts you to a new place of achievement, to a new place of confidence, to a new place of willingness to try, and then imagine being married to that. Yeah. You know, what a goal to be such an encourager to your partner that they feel like they could take on the world, that they feel like they are willing to try stuff, to take some risks, to do things they never saw themselves doing because they believe in themselves and that actually it's being married to you that has positioned themselves there. So amazing. I liken it to, to two people being willing to bend down and lift the other one up. It's often how I preach on marriage. You know, you, can you stand up with me, says, imagine if, if we're together and so often a picture of, of marriage is that one's superior to the other, one's more important than the other, and it's actually about pushing down. But really, if you're willing to submit to each other, if you're willing to cheer each other on, if you're willing to, to go there, it's like me bending down to Sarah saying, I want to lift you up, and then Sarah bending down to me to lift me up. And actually what we both do is pick each other up and lift each other to, thanks, and lift each other up to higher levels. Marriage is actually about getting the best out of each other, not pushing down, but lifting up. And then you find yourself achieving things, saying things, doing things you could have only dreamed of. But it's because the person you chose to couple up with is bringing the best out in you. And that is a great picture of marriage. You know, when I floated the idea of, of beginning this church, we started a church in our front room. And it, it's grown. It's just such an amazing testimony. And we're believing for even greater things in our future. But when I floated the idea of, of, of starting a church to Sarah, and I, I knew I felt a, a prompting and a call from God. And I said to Sarah, what do you think? She could have said, don't be stupid, Barry. What on earth do you think? You, what, no. She could have poured water on my fire very, very easily. But what she actually said is, you could totally do that, and I'm in it with you. And, and here's what I want to say. You need to know that your spouse has incredible power to build you up or tear you down. Remember that two become one. We looked at it last week. So you are one. So you have the most unique power out of anyone in the whole world. If anyone could tear me down in my life, it's Sarah. Because she's my wife and we're one. If anyone could pull Sarah apart, it's me. Because we're one. We've agreed to come together. And in doing that, we've given each other some power. It's how you use that power. We know that the power of life and death is in the tongue. So I use my tongue to bring life to my wife, and my wife uses her tongue to bring life to her husband, and it's powerful. So that gives you a real decision point. 
That person you're dreaming of, that person you're dating, that person you like the look of, are you willing to position them in a place of power in your life where they can build you up or pull you down? Suddenly is a whole new level of criteria. And as you start to think about you as a person, could you develop in yourself that you become a great encourager in your existing relationship? Here we are today preaching together. I can promise you that a little while ago, Sarah would have said, there's no way you'll get me preaching. But because of encouragement from me and others, but from me, we're able to do this together. And she's preached on her own. And I think she's flipping awesome. So you can put that in the chat box right now. And one of the things we've done for this week's message is to, again, have another Zoom call. And the awesomeness that is Toby and Numa have agreed to share some of their life story. And we're going to hand it over to that conversation we had during the week. Here's Toby and Numa. Hey, guys. Hello. Hi. Hi, Phoebe. Hi, good. Sarah. How are you doing? Good. Pretty good. good pretty good. Pretty good. For, for a uh, Wednesday afternoon, we're doing pretty good. Um, we are launching this in the middle of a message that we are calling, Are You The One? And uh, we know some of your story, and so we thought we'd give you a bit of a grilling on it, because we'd love you to be able to share it with lots of people. Yeah, come on. We know you guys have got an amazing story about how you got together. Um, just tell everybody how long you've been married. 13 years, so it's 14 now. Fantastic, amazing. And um, who pursued who? So who chased after who? Who made it happen? <laughs> I did the chasing. <laughs> yeah, no, I did all the chasing. <laughs> Brilliant. And did she make you work hard for it? Yes, yes. I mean, yes, <laughs> she did. <laughs> um, but I think what I found most difficult was actually at the time she was in New York and I was in Norwich and I, you know, so it was kind of long distance and I found that more difficult um, than what she was doing. She was being herself. So, you know, I still loved her for that, still do. <laughs> so did you pursue her to New York or did you just do it long distance? I went all the way to New York. I mean, I convinced her that, you know, Norwich and New was York, better. you yeah. know. <laughs> um, no, actually, so we we met uh, April 2005. And so, you know, I think we kind of clicked, but I knew that I was far away. And what, at the time, a long distance was one of my non-negotiables. Um, so I kind of said, okay, no, not going there. But then I couldn't kind of get out of my mind. So I kind of picked up the phone and called her again. And then when she went was in New York, I went down to see her twice. Then we went to California at some point. So I used to go from here to see her about three times in that year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the rest of it was long distance. Wow. wow. How, um, what was it, um, Numa, about Toby that made you, um, want to pursue a relationship with him? What characteristics, what things was it about him that made you think, yeah, there's a potential relationship here? Um, anyone that's ever heard Toby speak, you would know um, he sounds very smart. Um, <laughs> and I think I, I like that, even though I don't like to admit it. I like that he wasn't sounding dumb or he, yeah, he had, he had something, he always had something to discuss, you know, 
um and he always used to make everything like an argument not like in the in a negative way so almost like making me kind of say my points and i think that process actually made me think a lot and reflect and i think i like that about him um i also like the fact that you know he was quite confident in himself um you know he used to call himself terrific terrific toby so <laughs> and that you know I, it, silent uh, secretly i think i was like oh my goodness but i liked it but at the same time you know but um yeah those were the two things actually that kind of attracted me and were you were you both christians at the time were you both um in a church kind of did you have that in common in the beginning Um, yeah. yeah, we're both in church. Uh, although in fairness, I mean, in some ways I was reflecting on this, it was kind of a given or kind of underneath. So we didn't actually speak a lot about it in terms of, you know, discussing. I don't know whether that's good or bad, but yeah. Oh well, yeah, I knew, I knew he was a Christian. He knew I was a Christian because I think in our different conversations, it kind of was was the underlying theme but not the overarching theme if you know what i mean we're not saying oh yeah what do you know about god but i think in our discussions and our language and all that you know god came through you know and yeah. we kind of knew we're christians and so terrific toby <laughs> this might stick now <laughs> um, bear in mind there'll be people watching this who are either hoping to meet a long-term partner or in a relationship that they're thinking that that way about it from your perspective thinking about Noma um, what what were you certain about and what were there or were there any uncertainties about her as a long-term partner I think there was a moment when I was very certain that she was the one. It was about two months in after we were talking and she started to share, I was asking her questions about what's on her heart, her dreams, and she started to share something she had never actually shared before with anyone else. And from my perspective, I could immediately see how it just fitted with what I had in my heart, what I felt like my direction, what God had called me to. And from that moment, I knew that she was exactly the one and there was no uncertainty at all for me after that. Wow, so good. What about you, Numa? Is that the same for you? Um, I kind of knew who, I mean, I had a lot of, um, what do you want to call it, suitors or people that actually wanted to date me. And I just, oh, there was oh. always something, there was always something I found. <laughs> <laughs> There was always something wrong I found about them. Oh yeah, you're this, you're that. And I just, but with Toby, I just kind of, well, yeah. With Toby, I just kind of clicked with him. I just enjoyed talking to him, talking with him. And, but when he actually started talking about marriage, I was thinking, uh, can we do it in um, seven years time, you know, or three years time. But at the same time, I was thinking I would hate to lose him just because um, I wanted to wait for, I don't know, because then lots of voices were like my relatives, people were like, oh, maybe you should wait, you're a bit too young and, you know, things like that. And obviously those were kind of feeding into my, my, what's the word, my decision making. But I just thought, I think one, one question I asked myself, I said, if I waited and in three years time, Toby came and said, oh yeah, while we're waiting, I found somebody else or, and I just thought, no, I couldn't. I, yeah, at that point I knew I was certain that that was, um, 
That's going to be my husband. Wow. wow. And it's interesting you unpacking it like that, because I guess most people would have those thought processes somewhere along the line, wouldn't they? Especially if you're thinking marriage, I believe in marriage to be a lifelong commitment. It's a massive decision, isn't it? So thinking along those lines, could both of you maybe individually unpack, is there a couple of things you could pin down to say, for me at least, these things would be non-negotiable. If I'm going to think about Toby or, or Toby, I'm going to think about Norma, these two or couple of things would be non-negotiable for me to look at this as a long-term thing. Should I go first? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think for me, it was, um, I just felt if I was going to marry someone and I was going to be in a long life or long-term relationship, even after marriage with this person, I felt like I had to fit in with the family. I had to, you know, I had to feel like I was accepted by his family and vice versa as well. I, you know, I, I didn't want the situation where I was in this family with my husband and they didn't like me or he just didn't get on with my own family. I just thought life is too hard as it is, you know, it would just, it's just for me, that was a non-negotiable. Um, I didn't, yeah, I didn't want to come to a family where, oh, you're not allowed to kind of um, make up or they saw makeup as something and yeah, or yeah, just something that wasn't me. I didn't want a family that would change me. And Toby's family just kind of accepted me, you know, just the way I was. And, you know, he just kind of loved my family, my everyone. So we just got on as one big family. And for me personally, that was a non-negotiable for me. How about you, Toby? I think for me, it was friendship. Um, what I had observed from a lot of relationships um, that I had seen was that you don't really know where it's going to take you and you don't know what life is going to throw at you. So I felt like I wanted to be with my friend who, which means that whatever life throws, um, you know, we could kind of stick through it. Mm -hmm. And I think a second one was that it was important to me that she had some goals, some things that she was aspiring to, um, because then I could kind of support her and help her dreams come true and vice versa. So that was very, very important for me. Oh, I have another one too. Um, smoking. Um, no, so pr probably won't have married Barack Obama um, when Michelle married him. But yeah, that was just because um, <laughs> um, that was just because I think yeah, I just didn't like the smell of it, and it was for me it was something that I really just didn't like, and I had different experiences with you know, and I just thought smoking was a non-negotiable. Um, um, and if, if you're going to promise, you know, because I know a lot of men will say, oh, yeah, when we get married, you know, you had to have stopped smoking before I married you. So yeah, yeah. luckily he wasn't. Um, yeah. 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 Toby, um, you know how a lot of um, Christian, especially young people, they make these lists um, around kind of what they want their marriage partner to be like and what they must have and you know they've got to be so tall and this hair color and this and this and this what advice would you give to someone who um has got that kind of approach i would say knowing what i know now that those are not the most important things um i think if you're a young lady thinking about marriage i think it's really important to find out where the person you're getting married to is going in life um, because ultimately that's the biggest sign as to whether you are compatible um, and actually how much you can help the person or help them fulfill their dreams. And I think the other thing is you have to be true to yourself 
each person is an individual with different strengths and weaknesses. I can't marry someone or I wouldn't advise someone to marry someone because other people said the person is good for them. It has to be from a place of knowing yourself and being true to yourself. Awesome. Uh, Linda, would you give a piece of advice? Maybe thinking especially from a female perspective, is there some advice that you would give to someone who's thinking this way? You know, I mean, you should feel like you're attracted to, you know, to your husband or your partner. Um, but from a female perspective, I think that's not all. Um, there's more in. I think you need to look in as well, and then you need to you need to look for someone who supports your um, desires as well, um, even in long term. I think for for women especially, there's this thing between career, um, being a mother. Um, and if you're looking for a partner, I think you need to kind of have all those discussions before you actually get married. If you're, if you're a career woman and your husband doesn't want a career wife, um, those, those are big deals and those are big decisions that you need to kind of discuss. Or if you want, um, if you don't want kids, for instance, as a woman and your partner has been dreaming of, you know, dreaming about having a, a quiver of, you know, children running around. I mean, both of you are just going to get married and just be frustrated for the rest of your life. So those are, to me, those are the bigger questions to ask and to get to know and not the, um, yeah, what, what car he drives or what the color of his hair is. They, they matter. I'm not saying they don't, but I'm just saying you can look a bit beyond that. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting the way this conversation's um, unfolded because I think probably, if I can say in a world term, that most people prioritize looks and attraction over character and direction but your story is of course looks and attraction is important but it's not a non-negotiable and and that's i think that's that's come out in this conversation and i think our encouragement to anyone pursuing a long-term relationship that's a great way to think so thank you so much for giving us some of your time giving us your story and your insights we love you guys and we shall say goodbye <laughs> bye thank bye. you bye Amazing. What an awesome testimony and story Toby. from terrific Toby. I think that's going to stick. I think that's going to stick. Terrific Toby. Terrific Toby and Norma, we love you so much and yeah. really has underpinned um, and kind of just repeated some of the things we're yeah. already saying about character and direction. So important. They're such a lovely couple. Great, great family and awesome kids. We love you guys yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, I just want to move on just quickly. We're going to end now with um, just a few points around what women want and what men want. Yeah. And just the idea of if you're preparing for a relationship or you're in um, a marriage, what is it that women want? And I can tell you, after 20 years of marriage, what women really, really want is that we want to feel safe, we want to feel special, and we want to feel secure. Those three things are so important just to us as women. It's part of our creator I think in terms of how he's made us and just part of our nature so we want to feel safe secure and special and so I'm just going to give you three things that you guys can do to help us feel like that the first one is you need to be the pastor of the house now that might sound a little bit weird okay but you need to be the pastor's you need to set the spiritual tone. Come on. 
It's your responsibility yeah. to set the spiritual tone. You need to be the one that has the passion for God that is literally out there so that your family and your other half can see that you're leading us in a way that's drawing us closer to God. Guys, you need to be the one to initiate prayer. Come on. Initiate yeah. prayer, whether yeah. that's at the dinner table, wherever it will be, um, you guys need to do this. And really importantly, you need to say that we are a going to church family. We are a going to church family. Yeah. We are not, we're not a stay at home family. Because let me just tell you that if you decide to be a stay at home family, you very rarely raise going to church kids. Wow. It's so important that, guys, that you are the pastor. You set the spiritual tone of your family, of your relationship, and your home. Number two is you need to be the provider. You need to be the provider. Now, I don't mean that ladies, women, wives can't go out to work. Like, literally, we've moved on from then. Um, and also, I don't mean that sometimes the, the, the women might be the highest earner within the relationship or the family home. But again, what I mean is, is that set the tone. Set the tone of your finances. Don't ever let your wife, your girlfriend, your partner worry about how are we going to pay the next bill. Set the financial tone. Make sure that you're heading towards financial security. You know, talk about the budget. Say that we're going to live between uh, underneath our means. I mean, if it wasn't for Barry, I'd, I mean, I didn't even know savings existed. You know, <laughs> I don't know where we would be right now. But you need to be the provider. And that's because we don't handle the insecure feeling of not knowing how to run stuff and, you know, where the next finances is coming from. We need to feel secure. So you need to be the provider. And then lastly, number three, you need to be the protector. You need to be the protector, not just physically in terms of you're going to kung fu someone Ooh. that comes through the front door who's not welcome. You know, I, you, you know that they're going to kind of protect you physically. If there was danger, you would lay down your Come life. On. Come on. We already established that last week, right? Barry will fight for me. Come on. Fight, absolutely. But I'm also talking about physical, uh, uh, sorry, emotional, emotional as well in terms of the protection. We need to know that you will never hurt our heart. Emotional protection is so important. And the whole thing about honor, we need to honor. We need to know that we can your, honor your word, that you will protect us. And therefore, we will feel safe to be able to be um, vulnerable. So pastor provider and protector. There's a great verse in Romans 12, um, number 10, and it says to be devoted to one another in love and to honor one another above yourself. That whole picture of each of you laying down your life to live, lift the other one yeah, up, it's so it's so, yeah. it is so about each other, yeah. isn't it? And I can tell you right now, guys, that if you make her feel safe, special and secure, she will love you with an unconditional um, love that will just blow your mind. It will blow your mind. And I can attest to that because it's what I experience. <laughs> and for me, talking to the ladies about men, men are, are simple creatures, you know. <laughs> yeah, we can be competitive for sure. And I'm sure that many men, no, I'm going to say all men, will be hiding some level of insecurities. We do, but we hide it well. 
But the thing that all men want is respect. That's the thing. If I could lay it down to one thing, men want to feel respected. Uh, when your lady encourages you, bearing in mind what we've already said, they have authority and power in their words because of where they stand in your life. When your lady encourages you, when she consistently speaks well of you to your face and to others, because it's amazing what gets back to you, when she's proud of you, men rise up. Men find themselves flourishing in all kinds of areas of life because we're willing to try stuff because we feel respected. And that's huge for men. And it's not how much you earn. It's not about how much stuff you've got. It's not about your physical stature. It's not about the lifestyle you're able to lead. And those things are nice, but that's not it. Because whatever circumstance you find yourself in, if your man feels respected, you'll get the best version of that man. And the things like this, <coughs> being gossiped about. It's not so much about what is said, but about the fact you didn't respect me enough to protect me. There's the issue. What about being cheated on? It's not so much that you gave yourself to another, but you didn't respect me enough to talk to me about how you're feeling before it ever got there. You see, respect for a man is huge. And when you filter some of the issues that come up in life, you can often boil it back down to respect and the things that Sarah shared. So ladies, if I could give you one piece of advice, of advice in this moment, it would be show your man that you respect him. Then watch him sparkle. I can promise you this. If he feels respected by you, you will end up with the upgraded version of your guy. And we all want that, don't we? It's not always easy. But could you go on a journey with it? Could you, could you unpack it a little bit? And so when you look at the things we've talked about today, it's really character trumps looks. It, it, it's where are you heading together as a couple? Direction's important. And could you go together with that person? Could they walk with you? It's godly character. It's growing trust. It's higher standards. It's consistent encouragement. These are the things. And there is so much more we could say. You know, we've just scraped the surface. But I hope we've given you some things to chew over. I hope we've given you things to challenge yourself with. I hope we've given you some things to, to talk about with your partner and some goals to set yourself. But our prayer is that you would succeed in your relationships. Says, do you want to pray us out? Father God, we just thank you so much for the privilege and the honor, Lord God, of being able to share our heart with um, the amazing church, Lord God, and everybody tuning in today, Father God. Holy Spirit, I just want to ask that you would, um, for the men, Lord God, I want to pray that you would stir up the men, Lord, to step forward, that, Lord, that they would step it up a gear, that, Lord, that they would feel um, encouraged, Lord, they would feel confident, that, Father God, just all the guys right now, Lord God, they would know that, um, they are chosen. They are chosen by you, Lord God, to be the best husband, to be the best boyfriend, Father God. So, Lord, would you encourage them? And, Lord, just for all the women, Lord God, watching, Father God, and listening, Lord, I pray for a time of reflection. Lord, I want to pray that we would take a moment, Lord God, to listen. That, Lord, in times where maybe we've 
um, spoken our other half down or Lord we haven't shown them respect or we haven't encouraged them Lord would you just would you just give us a little prompt right now in our spirit Lord God and Father I just invite you in into the middle right now of everyone's relationships or God their thought processes and Father I pray that you speak to people through this message and that Lord that relationships would be better they would win they would succeed in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, um, it's just been our privilege to, to share some thoughts with you, and we hope that's helped. But before we tune out here, I just want to give anyone an opportunity just to connect with Jesus. I want to do it every single week to make sure everyone listening has had this opportunity. It's my life story, and it's the life story of so many of my friends and family that when you invite Jesus into the middle of your world, it just gets better. You know, the things that have pulled you down. Jesus says, I came to break chains off of people. Jesus came to say, to open the eyes of the blind and to heal the sick and to give people a hope and a future. Jesus said he came to give us the fullest version of life and to reconnect to us through our Father so that we have the hope of heaven in eternity. And so I wonder today, if you've been watching for a while or if you tuned in today and you're, you're not right with Jesus, is today the day you want to say, yes, I want to be right with Jesus. I want to live this life. Maybe you're someone who's been connected with Jesus in the past and just let it drift for whatever reason. It's the day the day you reconnect. So I'm going to pray a prayer, and it's as simple as that. If you've got a change of heart and you want Jesus in your world, it's just saying a prayer and then walking it out with him. So let's pray. Father God, just thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he came and demonstrated heaven on earth. Thank you that he died a death he didn't deserve, but he defeated death and rose again on my behalf, and he now carries the keys of life. I invite you, Jesus, to come and live in my heart today. I say sorry for the things I've done that have kept us separate, but I choose today to go on a journey with you. I ask you to lead me forward so that I could become more like you daily. Thank you for reconnecting me to my Father, and I give my life to you today. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer, we'd love you to get in touch with us because we're not called to do this life on our own. We're called to be a family. We're called to do it together. We want to help you forward and help you work out what it looks like to live the Christian life. And I promise you, if you do that, you will have an incredible life experience. We're going to hand back to our worship team and say goodbye. Have an awesome week. We love you guys.